Guests of the AltWire podcast are recorded remotely. Due to the nature of remote recording, certain issues such as reverb or background noise may exist in some of these interviews. Although we will always try our best to clean up the audio in post, please be advised that certain issues may still remain. We appreciate your understanding, and we hope you enjoy the show. are listening to the Altwire podcast, where we feature candid interviews with some of the hottest names in the entertainment industry. Get ready for your host, Derek Oswald. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Altwire podcast. Really pleased to be joined by these two extraordinary gentlemen, Peter Moison and Sofian Siddiqui from the French electro group, The Black Mordia. Sofian and Peter, just want to Start off by asking you guys, what did the beginnings of the band look like? I was wondering if you might be able to kind of expand on that a little bit. Of course. So story is, as big music fans that, that we are, we all had that dream to, you know, be in a band, go on tour and stuff. So I decided to start the band quite a few years ago and Peter came a little later. But what's funny about the beginning of our band is, you know, we are from France, okay? France has a pretty small rock and roll scene. So it was quite unusual for young kids to want to be like rock stars or something. So we had to face like lots of uh, funny rejection. Let's say fighting shows, we had to pretend that we were a pop band when we started just to be able to have shows booked and stuff. It was quite funny, but um, then we decided to make the project quite serious. And uh, at that moment, Peter came because he was and he, he is the front man that we needed. And yeah, a few weeks after he joined the band, we were on tour and we were opening the Download Festival in Paris. What did that do? for your mental state like how did that feel to suddenly be in front of all those people to be honest there was i mean on my side uh, everything happened really quickly so i didn't have the time to process the idea that i was actually in a band <laughs> with somebody with some people that were actually convinced that they were doing something right and that they they deserved attention and they were really hard workers and they were crossing boundaries that many, you know, you have this kind of feeling in France that you kind of go against the flow and against the wave. So you have to fight like twice harder. So that was, that was a moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like just being in a band, I, I just came back from London, was having like a really tough situation. Like everybody, everything was like really precipitated and, and it happened like that. So it was a great moment. What about you, yeah. Sofian? Mentally, it wasn't shocking, to be honest, uh, because when I started the band, it was a, a part of the plan to open the Download Festival one day. So we were proud to be able to do it. But at some point, we, we felt that we deserved to be there and we wanted to prove ourselves and work hard and get inspired because that year of the festival, Linkin Park was the headliner. 
And, and I know for a fact that you like that band. <laughs> <laughs> so for us, being able to be on a festival where Linkin Park is headlining was amazing. I remember we, we kind of um, started to really know each other, Peter and I, at that festival during the backstage because we spent hours watching the dressing rooms that that big truck is arriving with that band name on it. You know, we were, you know, very fascinated by everything that was going on on that festival. And I think in some way it convinced us that it was the, the thing that we wanted to do for real. So just to make sure, that was yeah. the time that they performed Hybrid Theory from front to back, right? That was the one, right? I think that was the one, yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness, what a legendary download to be a part of. You couldn't have picked yeah. a better year to be a part of it, man. It was a lot. Blink-182 Blink was there too, Korn was there, sure. I think Rumpstown was there. Not sure, but you know, it was crazy. All the good bands, all the good bands. So I know that a big part of the push to get successful and get to the point that you guys were at, you made this decision, Sofian, to become a promoter and create a label, which I think was a really brave thing to do, especially as an independent artist. Absolutely brave. Just to not say crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk about some of the difficulties you faced in the beginning, having to become not only your own promoter, but also start that label? To be honest, you're facing every issue that you can imagine, but it makes you learn the music business, you know, because um, I was around bands all, all around. Uh, I was watching upcoming bands who were doing their first shows in Europe, in France. So I was understanding what was behind because, you know, when you're looking at this business from the other side, it looks very cool and very chill. But, you know, when you're looking at the other side, you know, it's all about timing, scheduling, budget and all those type of things that I was fortunate to learn pretty early on. Uh, so, so I guess it was hard, but makes it easier for us now to navigate and to know what we want. Now that you know what you want, you guys have actually made it abundantly clear that you want zero interference and wish to do everything yourself. I found that many modern artists actually have favored that DIY approach, even recording songs in bedrooms or home studios. Billie Eilish's first record was actually famous for that. Yeah. What do you feel is behind this modern surge towards artists doing everything independently? Do you feel like major labels are kind of going the way of the dinosaur? That's a cool question. From my point of view, I would say artists wants more today. So they want more control. They want more everything, basically. But it doesn't mean you don't need record people to guide you because some people still need A&R to figure out what they want to do. I think there's two types of artists in bands. Some artists need those A&R and, and co-songwriters and those type of things to get started. Some others have their own vision and it's very specific and they want to pursue that. And, and, and in our case, it's, it's that. How about you, Peter? Because I know something that's very infamous in the rock music world. You think of any band that's made it big within the last couple of years, every one of those bands has a horror story about somebody from A&R or somebody from the label 
coming in and attempting to completely change things. Great example, Evanescence, Bring Me to Life was never supposed to have a rap act in it. But unfortunately, the label, seeing how big rap rock was suddenly becoming again, pushed them to have someone on there. And it actually made them end up for a while actually hating that song. So since you guys kind of do everything on your own, do you feel like that is a blessing being able to bring your own ideas into the band without having a, a third party influence come in and try to change everything? Of course, because mainly like the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask me this question is that obviously we are five in the band and it's already sometimes complicated like to it's already a lot yeah. To, yeah because we all all have things that that we love and we'd like to express this way or this way with this influence all this and that and this instrument and blah 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 and um regarding like the artistic directions it can be already tough to do that as a band and so we are like five creatives that have big ideas that we'd like to defend and we'd like to to hold it until we have the final product and we're satisfied so we couldn't add artificial noise that's going to tell us this has to sound like that when we think that it actually has to sound like we decide to. Exactly. And part, and part of it is there is no, to my knowledge, great record people th these days <laughs> in the rock area. And if it was, uh, you know, the rock scene will be different than, than it is. You know, if we had, let's say, Jimmy Iovine or Clive Davis close to us and giving us advice, think would be happy to have those advice, but those days all the A&R are only talking about numbers and TikTok stats, which is good, but we don't want, as peers say, to have any type of interference in the creative process. And TikTok is really, really having an impact on the music industry. You know, much of your early career as a band was spent performing hundreds of small gigs to get your own fan base organically. However, in the modern world, do you feel more artists are getting noticed because of their online presence? Or do you feel it is still vital to perform those live shows in order to find success in the industry? It's vital, yeah. It is because having a TikTok moment doesn't mean you're gonna have a career, you know, and doesn't mean you're great either. The live shows are the truth if you want to be a, a true artist. Yeah. It's funny because I saw something uh, that Tommy Lee from Motley Crue uh, posted today and he said being famous in Instagram is like being rich at Monopoly. It's like, yeah. it doesn't mean that in real life you're going to kick in on stage, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I, see it, I see it more like a, a booster that actually can help you like hook some more people and even more like younger audience, but deep down. As an artist, to be legit, you have to do the work. You definitely have to do the work. And I think we can definitely hear that some people need to concentrate on the songs because at the end of the day, it's all about the songs. You're a big fan of Linkin Park. Yeah. It's one of the biggest bands ever. They had songs. Yeah. It's not about TikTok or YouTube or CDs or vinyl. It's about songs. And they had incredible songs. And, and I think... People have to focus on that. And that's what we try to focus. And maybe we're not focusing enough on the TikTok thing, but uh, that's something we try to work on. 
what is the biggest challenge when you're taking all these incredibly diverse genres that all of you are into? What is the biggest challenge of figuring out which one of those elements make its way into the sound? How do you guys decide to formulate the sound that you are making? Should we say, uh, like, uh, regarding the instrumental, we found our natural sound by doing more demos, working together, even maybe doing shows, seeing what it looks like when you have the pictures of the lives and how it's edited and the color, like the colors and everything. And when you go in the studios and we, we, we add like synthesizers and the nice, like heavy, aggressive guitar sounds that we love so much in bands as Death Leopard, for example, when you mix all of that in a pot, we could hear something different and that we felt that it was belonging to what our exactly. sound was like. You know, like it's by doing it and, you know, like individually, like working, you know, in the home studios and everything. And, and, and we could feel like we had something and, and we, we went to this direction and we didn't have even really processed the idea, just the journey that, you know, the path that we went uh, through and, 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 and that's it. Yeah, true. Because to be fair, you ask what was the most di difficult thing, but for us, it's not difficult because it makes sense. Because we listen to Daft Punk and Def Leppard and for us, it's just great music. And, and if you really think about it, all of those bands from the 80s have influenced a, a lot of the e electro artists themselves. Yeah. Okay, so it's not that different. Maybe it's different if you're in the record store and the rock sector is here and the funk one is there. But at the end of the day, some of the biggest rock songs are disco rock songs. And that's it. You know, it's just great music. And there's so many good examples that I can think of with what you're saying there. For example, David Grohl, widely considered oh, to be yeah. one of the best drummers of all time, has yes. flat out said that his drumming is disco. That if you listen yes, to um, smells like things very yeah exactly yeah, so yeah this is what I'm talking about like if you listen to 1970s disco drumming it is his style to a T another great example the prodigy R A P Keith one of my all time favorite electronic acts one of the favorite things that I do see on TikTok there's this channel that does sample breakdowns and they'll do yeah. it with Daft Punk or with Prodigy sometimes even with Kanye West. But then when you're listening to what they took those samples from, their disco records, their soul records, their rock and roll records, exactly. even the bands that you use as influences, they learned from other artists before them. And so there's no such sure. thing as one genre. It's true. There's no such thing who as genre cares about that. Exactly. Exactly. Like, who cares? Like, even Def, Def Leppard in 1987, when, when they did uh, Hysteria, Think about it. It's all electronic drums, super pop. Like it's not looking like a heavy metal record. It's a pop record that was selling like a pop record because they were listening to new wave music, to Frankie Goes to Hollywood, to Depeche Mode, and, and, and at the same time to Bon Jovi and those type of things. And they mixed it and it sounded like that. And I feel like electronic drums too, it's getting to the point where they're sounding so good 
that yeah. you can't even tell that they're electronic. Great example, Filter, the oh, short yeah. bus record, first record, completely using a drum machine. Drum machines have become so advanced that, you know, it's no yeah, longer that's crazy. Yeah. Like, it, I don't even have a job anymore. It's like the rise of AI. You put into a command on Google and you say, I want to have Bon Jovi style disco music. And in yeah. 30 seconds, it yeah. spouts out something that to me, as an amateur musician, you know, it would take me weeks because I'm a perfectionist. Like, what is your guys' thoughts on AI? Do you think it's dangerous to the music industry? To, to me, like, lately, you know, I, anywhere I look at or any article I read or any video I look at, I'm like, wow, these post-COVID years, something really happened. Like, you never, you know, like, could be, like, health researches, like, technology in general. Like, AI could be, like, a really, really nice tool. Concerning art, to me, art is made not to be explained. Otherwise, it's not art. Art is meant to be like to, to denounce something or to explain something like a, a feeling, an emotion, something, you know, as it has always been. It has to stay like that. I don't want to go to a gig with like artificial, you know, lights that, that recreate like a person. I don't want to see that. I don't know. I don't want to hear either like lyrics of an AI, like it doesn't, I'm not interested in that, you know? So to, to me, you know, music business has no fear about that. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we should respect what the artists have made and not try to, to touch that. That's really important. Do you think we're going to recreate a Picasso or something? Yeah. I don't think so. So I don't think we should try to recreate Michael Jackson record or a Prince record or something like that. We should try to respect that and, uh, you know, live it there. You're exactly right. It's one of the things where no matter how intelligent and advanced it gets, I don't think AI is ever going to be able to substitute human music because of the sheer fact that you need that human element in music. You need that imperfection. Great example is even in the 1980s, they were starting to use drum machines and famous keyboards like the Yamaha DX7. There was always, even when it sounded more computerized, there was always that hint of humanity to it. I'm trying, I'm struggling to think right now. I don't know if it was a Human League song or if it was Manic Monday. It was one of the songs where the synthesizer was triggered at the wrong time, but... I think it's Human League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... If it was a computer trying to do that, it would try to snap everything to the grid. It would get it absolutely perfect and it wouldn't sound the way it does with things like that. You know, another great example of Roxanne, there's a famous error in the beginning of the song where yeah. Sting falls backwards, sits on a piano and he laughs. So like if you're listening in the beginning of it and you hear this plunk sound and you hear the laughter, that was him falling on a piano and they decided to keep it. You know, even more after the COVID era and everything, you know, I, I think that the more we witness progress uh, in everything and the more people are, are going to need to escape to basic stuff like living your fucking life, like yes. going to gigs, enjoying music, going in the nature, enjoying like the purest form of life and music is one of, to me, is one of the seventh beauties 
of the world and humanity and no robot is going to be taking this away from what people want to do. Now people want to go to a rock show and enjoy the experience and go nuts. Like people were That's going nuts. That's why tickets are selling that well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, so yeah, no problem with the AI. I love it when there's so much emotion behind a vocal performance, for example, where you can just feel the pain that person has gone through, the experience that, that person has gone through. And that's why music such as rock music, for example, that normally has a lot of emotion in it, why it resonates so well with listeners. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, so Jen, did you hear when you said pain? Because yeah. <laughs> we have a thing with uh, Strange Love, the song of Pesh Mode. And when you say pain, I was like, oh, wow, that type of pain. <laughs> and, uh, the fun thing is like, I don't listen to it every day. And I, I just listen to it like today. <laughs> it's so anyway, funny. Sorry. No, no, no. Actually, it's funny because I was actually trying to figure out a way to insert that into the podcast. Depeche Mode, oh, wow. great example yeah. here. They loved to explore the more provocative topics in sexuality, such as BDSM and songs as Strange Love or Master and Servant, themes that you guys yeah. were keen to explore and exposed. What is it about that scene, that world that captivates you guys to the point? where you want to do your own exploration of it in your lyrics. Funny you ask, though, because Depeche Mode actually, like, even from the, the name of the band or the visuals and in the music video of Strange Love, it, it makes references to Paris and, 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 and France, like, in general. The scene, as you say, you know, in the new wave-ish scene and visuals has always been here. You know, like from, could be from Susie and the Banshees, Billy Idol, Judas Priest, The Smiths, and this, this kind of entity which drives you like it's like mysterious and, and curious about everything. And, you, you know, like there's a, there's a song from Minor Threat uh, that says, uh, good guys don't wear white. <laughs> and I, I, I've always loved this one because... I've always dressed black. I've always dyed my hair black when I was younger, a teenager. I was putting eyeliner on uh, in my small, you know, the small school I was going to. People were like looking at me like I was provocative. And at this period of my life, I was just saying out loud, this is who I am. And I was like not looking like anybody around me, in my family, in my personal environments in my friends, in the streets, anywhere I could go. I was looking just like a depressive goth that likes going out at night and yeah. maybe party too much and, and taking drugs. You know, like I remember once I was like going and I was 19, I was driving in the south of France and I just, I was, uh, I pick up some gas at a station and I, I don't know why I did that. I put my wallet on the top of the car. And I left for forgetting that it was on top of the car. So it, it fell straight away, you know, and, uh, in my wallet, I had like a really like tiny piece of paper and it was almost gone the way it was written with a pen and it was saying mom and then phone number of my mom, you know, I don't know why I had that at the time. And the police officer called my mom saying, 
you, your son is uh, Mr. Moizan, and I think we do have his wallet and uh, ID and everything. So I had to take the car and go back to the police station. And when I arrived, he looked at the picture that was taken from like the driving license license um, moment. And a few years later, I had like long hair, black, like that eyeliner and everything, like dreaming <laughs> and everything. And he said straight oh, away, oh, he, no. said, he said like, wow, you must have taken many drugs uh, to <laughs> this moment. The first moment he just saw me at, at the second, he told me that and like laughing a lot. And I was like confused because I was going to the police, you know? Yeah. And so not, not, not going to the judge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that tells you like every day, like, and, and, and that's part of the identity and we all share that. And it's also like something that some people don't really know and think that it's a bit weird and it. they don't understand. And it's not more because uh, we don't like that more because it's provocative. It's just, I could dress like that, taking my coffee in the morning and look like that. I mean, that's, that's what I like to see in the mirror. Yeah. Truth is we like that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we, we spend a lot of time rehearsing in Berlin and, uh, they're famous for having crazy clubs over there in the BDSM type of, uh, of, of scene. And let's say that when we are there, it's like home for us. Yeah. Sounds crazy, but that's true. Because people are not judging each other. They're just themselves. Some of them are in, in normal suits. Some of them are wearing leather and stuff. But it doesn't matter. People are themselves. And that's what we want. That's what we are. And uh, that's what we fight for. And I feel as a whole... The BDSM scene is widely misunderstood. Like, for example, I think one of the most damaging things that happened to the BDSM scene was Fifty Shades of Grey, because it completely portrayed that scene in the wrong light. Because let's just be honest, I don't care how people try to romanticize that movie. The guy was abusive. The guy was an asshole. And it started making think that, you know, this is all of a sudden all these guys go and they're like, oh, this is what women want. And you got a whole bunch of horrible men that suddenly flooded into the scene and gave the scene a bad name but everyone just thinks you know it's all about you know the power dynamics or you know they and do you know do you want to know what like i completely refuse to watch that movie because it's too as you said it's romantized and you know it's polished as people want to see it on netflix or i don't know what but the truth is that it's not inclusive Nope. It's, there's no diversity. People cannot reflect themselves and see themselves through that, except one guy that's maybe an asshole that knows he's good looking and just want to have one or two women sometimes and, and just take into his bat caves that turns out is a cave that you, you yeah. don't want to spend the night in. You know what? <laughs> so I'm not really... You know, surprised that you talk about this one because, like, I just uh, heard about it, like, even not even like, like five days ago, and someone told me, "Ah, oh, have, you, have you seen it?" And I'm like, no, it's just shit. I mean, like, if you if you go out and live the life, do the same, and you're just gonna see that it's just the the only common thing. It's just like the tools they play with. That's it. That world is the only world that I feel that you can be whoever you want to be in that world, that you can feel to be as open as you want to be. Like you can have, you know, cisgender people, transgender, lesbian, gay, bisexual, two spirit, 
that is the one community where you're going to see people from all different walks of life. You know, it's not going to matter what skin color they are. It's not going to matter what their preferences are. That's one community. And I think this is what made it so, so prevalent within the 80s and the punk scene and people like Billy sure. Idol and everything. Yeah, the, the, the most amaz amazing thing is like uh, that visually, like because of vinyl and leather and chains and, and everything, it's straight away linked to the rock and roll identity, yeah. the punk identity, to the metal identity. And, you know, like seeing these styles being lately in the rave Berlin uh, kind of scene and fashion brands and everything and Balenciaga and everything, it gives uh, this feeling that, you know, finally you like what we, we like from the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. True. Like, True. It became like, mainstream. You didn't, you didn't invent anything. You're just like taking it, but that's fine. We can have fun that's together. Fine. We can have fun together. Sure. And it's good and bad because it makes it more accessible and it welcomes more people into the scene because it's one of those things, like I said, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you identify as, who you're into, how you dress. You're going to find someone who's going to be there with open arms. But I feel I'm from the States. I don't need to tell you what's going on in the United States right now. I feel like too many people do not know how to mind their own fucking business. We literally have states within the United States right now that is making it illegal to be transgender. Florida just signed a bill where they actually, you don't even... Florida? Yeah, Florida. You don't even have to have a child that is actually transgender anymore or identifying as. If they feel that you are suspected of wanting to give gender affirming care to that child doesn't matter if that child is actually identified as transgender if they suspect that you're doing that the government has signed a bill where they now can legally take away your child crazy man and and, and it's sad to hear that for us you know as, as french people because we definitely love the united states and it used to be a place of freedom especially florida you know in the 80s was known for being, you know, quite a freedom space. For us to hear that, it's, it's quite shocking. I saw that this um, beer brand, uh, what is it called again? Bud Light. Uh, Bud Light, that just because a transgender yep. woman has been advertising the fact that you, you can actually personalize uh, your can, and she, she did a, a short video. And just for that, people ended up stopping by this brand. So it's the fun thing is like they, let's say they, I saw a video that like many people were going to an event in a stadium or whatever. I don't know if it was a concert or a sports event. And so there's the Bud Light uh, queue, which is empty and another brand, which is uh, Budweiser or something just, just close. And like people are waiting just to get this one. But the thing is like, I heard that they might belong to the same company and the money goes to the same people. Yep. It's like they think that they're sticking it to Bud Light by no longer purchasing from it, but they're giving their money to a brand that actually is owned by Anheuser-Busch. Oh, so in like, uh, I don't know, what, what, it was not Walmart or something, something close, like similar that we don't have here. Some people did like fake videos you know, there was T-shirts and everything for the pride oh, and, and everything. And they mixed it 
to the kids area to take a video and saying like, you know, like they are saying that to our kids. They just try to made up something to make it's people gross. think against, you know, that's, that's awful. It's everything, you know, yeah, but I time. feel it's, it's one it's, step further and one yeah. step back at the same time, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. But it's sad for that country that we love, that we really love moved in, in, in New York for, you know, what the United States used to be. Exactly. And, and it's super sad to hear stuff like that, for real. It is. Super sad, because it's the biggest free nation in the world. Used to be that. And yeah. I hope it's going to stay that. The only thing I can say that is refreshing is Gen Z gives me hope for the future. Because Gen Z is yeah, going to... They're not afraid. They're not afraid. They're not afraid anymore. Yeah. And the thing is, is they're the next voting block. A lot of Gen Z people have recently turned 18. So when the 2024 election comes and they have the opportunity not only to, you know, elect the next president, but they also have an opportunity to replace some people in our Congress, they are the next voting block. And what only thing I can hope personally, Gen Z starts voting in some more progressive people. You said it perfectly, Peter. All it was was a single can, a single can. That was personalized to have Dylan's face on it. That's the same thing as, you know, back in the 70s, in the 80s, when they were playing the records backwards and saying, like, we could hear, like, the demon saying that to our kids and blah, 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 blah. This is the devil. This is... That's the same thing, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe they think that if they drink this fucking beer, their son's gonna, like, immediately, like... Become transgender. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. Dylan actually had to leave the country and go on a trip away from the country until she felt safe enough to return to the United States because of how many death threats she received just for being herself. I do believe in the freedom of America. I do believe that we are going to find our soul and our identity again. It's just we need to start voting out these idiots who think it's okay to discriminate against people who are just trying to be their true, authentic self. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, love the fact that we're talking about real stuff. Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, talking about your single and stuff, that's, that's cool. Uh, but what people need to hear is <laughs> the real stuff. That's what I'm trying to start leaning towards in my podcast. The fact of the matter is, there's a lot of real life emotions, real life experiences, issues yeah. that are behind that music. It's what influences the music. A great example is I'm going to be talking to somebody eventually, I think it's next month, where their entire recent album was about them contemplating suicide. And that's going to be probably a very dark, very difficult conversation but it needs to be said because somebody listening to that to person's music might be going through a worse time than that person's going now that person saw what they were going through they came out the other side and they're doing better there might be somebody right now who's not doing okay i don't want to listen to a podcast where it sounds like it's been pre-rehearsed i want to be able to hear real life stories to learn the stories and the identities behind the songs because there's an image that you project to the world. There's an image that people see in promotional photos and music videos. A lot of artists have their interview identity, and then they have their identity when the cameras are off. 
I want to try to show people more of the identity when those cameras are off. I want people to learn who's really behind the music that they're listening to. Because I feel like sometimes yeah. when you really find out, you know, when you find out that personal side to these artists that you've fallen in love with, it makes you appreciate their music more. Given that you guys are so dedicated to being your authentic selves and never having to half-ass or compromise on anything, how do you hope that your music will influence listeners in their own exploration of expression and self-identity? You know, I think that half of the job, if I can say that, mm -hmm. comes from the music, comes from the atmosphere. The visuals are quite important as well because it sets the backgrounds and, and, and what's your, you know, your identity and your values and everything that you share with people. You know, when, if you hear just an instrumental of Depeche Mode, or Judas Priest or Death Leopard, you can uh, fluctuate or travel in the music history's map and grab uh, a moment and an era that belongs to it and what people used to think and say and, and, and do and wear and act and everything interacts with people. If, if I said you, David Bowie, Maybe you're going to think of three things that he said. Maybe you're going to think about the city, where he's from, what people do there, and etc. And regarding the Black Modia, we can straight away link to Paris, to the culture we had around haute couture, you know, like the fashion atmosphere and everything. Maybe people are going to, they're going to hear one of our songs and by just hearing the lyrics, like see themselves struggling with something or whatever, you know, like the past experiences to me made who I am today. To be honest, I've been struggling most of my life since a very young age as a teenager for many reasons. Could be family, could be feeling that you don't belong to any place or, or any style or anything. And then you grow up building this and keeping this in your head and you're just like trying to escape from the society and, and, and the boundaries and, you know, like life has to be like this and has to be like that. You, you cannot l make a living with music. I, I could hear with art in general when I was younger as a kid. All these past experiences and struggling with drugs and addictions and everything are going to talk easily to someone who's struggling with any kind of addiction. And in 2023, as we said earlier, music is going to be very important to people as an escape. Because, you know, if you're not stable enough, we have too many tools that, you know, humility cannot, everything is too easy and you want everything like this and without any talent and without working and without feeling the pain and, you know, there's a, there's a drug to cure any pain. So people can just, you know, take your headphones, take a sit, you know, enjoy the songs, enjoy the lyrics, enjoy the atmosphere and try to escape. Well said. It's just about escaping, being proud of who you are, because that's what we do. And that's what we want people to, to feel basically. Something that I always remind myself, and I feel like anybody should remind 
is that they're one of a kind. There is only one you. Yes. Every yes. person has their own identity. And if you're ever feeling like you don't belong or that you aren't welcome in a certain subculture, don't use that as an excuse to crap on yourself, to think that you are less because of that. Celebrate your individuality. Recognize that the fact... You're probably more because of your, your own self. Exactly. You're you're more because of your own self. And that's been a journey that I've been on myself. It's funny when you talk about when you were like in your late teens, early 20s, that you had long hair and the, and the eyeliner and the piercings and everything else. I had a, a moment when I was, you know, maybe 15, 16, where I didn't exactly know what subset of culture I wanted to belong to. I didn't know who I was. So, you know, one moment I had fire engine red hair. You know, you're looking at me now. I look kind of normal, you know, kind of have curly hair. No, and, mom, this is not a phase. <laughs> yeah, no, mom, it's not a phase. Exactly. You know, I have curly hair now and a beard and everything else. But, you know, for a while there, I had bright fire engine red hair. Another moment I had, I was wearing a freaking Sergeant Pepper-like jacket around the time the Black Parade came out because I thought that was so freaking cool. I was like half inspired by the Beatles, half inspired by My Chemical Romance. So I'm walking out in public with a freaking band jacket on. People are looking at me, turning their heads. Maybe some old ladies passing judgment. But you know what? Yeah, you, you know that how it feels. It is so important in a time when everybody is trying to condemn you for being your true authentic self that yeah. you use that opportunity to gravitate to who you are even more. Hold on to your ideals. Don't let society force you with the way they're looking at you or the way they're judging you to be somebody different. The world has not exactly been the best place and the most welcoming place past COVID. It was almost like we went in a parallel dimension the moment COVID hit, where everything past that point, the world's getting uglier. All these laws are popping up trying to prevent people from being who they really are. And it's more important now than ever to use music as an escape, to find your true identity Super true. And to hold and on to it. That's why artists need to be themselves too. Yes. They need to celebrate their difference in their sound and their image. Everyone is telling us every day, you're not uh, rock enough. You're not blah, blah, blah. You're not this. You're not that. And we're fighting every single day to, you know, all the, the, the DSPs, the press agents, the whoever, to tell them that, we want to be ourselves and that's who we are. Yes, we have a lot of influences. Yes, we like to have a particular sound to mix this with that. And we're proud of that. It's so easy to, you know, kind of have a fear for your career and be like, okay, you know, I'm going to sound like other bands. I'm going to look like other bands. I don't want to, but that's not who we are. We just don't care. If it's about doing the same thing than anybody else, I don't think we'll do it because we're not interested in that. We're different and we fight for our differences all the time. The moment you fold and give up and decide to be like everybody else is the moment where it's no longer fun. So yeah, you never and you're done. You're done. You've just become another product of the machine. You sound like the... 100,000 other rock bands that are out there, you're not having your true identity. So yeah, I urge you guys, 
one of the reasons why, despite at the time not knowing as much about you guys as most bands that I request to be on the podcast, the reason why when your publicist reached out, I said yes right away is because listening to your music, I already identified that there was something different there. You weren't trying to be this band. You weren't trying to be that band. You were just trying to do something that really wasn't out there because there really isn't a band like you out in the rock space right now. You're taking Def Leppard. You're taking Daft Punk. You're sprinkling your little Judas Priest influences in there. You're taking the French electro culture that you grew up in and you're putting that in there too. And what's coming out is something that would sound just as welcome at Studio 54 as it would sound on Octane, which is one of the big rock stations here in the U.S. And I think it's really important that bands start to be authentic when you're not trying to sound like whatever band's number one right now and you're just doing something authentic. You're authentic. You don't give a shit if some A&R person at some major label thinks you guys are the next big thing or not. You're doing what you want. And when you listen to music that feels like it came from the soul and didn't feel like it was just some industry plant or some rubber stamped band that sounds like every other freaking rock band that's playing on Octane right now, people gravitate to that. And that's why, you know, you're still a quote unquote younger band, even though you really aren't because you've been around for a while. But the fact of the matter is you're going to probably have some pushback along the way. Anybody doesn't yeah. like the and way we you... love that. We love that, that we're in the, in the good direction because we don't want to be like the other bands. Like it scares me. Like people don't even realize like the bands that they love were different. Just think about it. If the Rolling Stones or Queen or Led Zeppelin or Linkin Park or Muse or whoever, they crossed genders all the time musically all the time and that's why they're special imagine yeah. if freddie mercury wasn't the absolute icon of self-expression that he was and he just decided to go you know what maybe they're right maybe the world isn't ready for this imagine yeah. a music world without bohemian rhapsody it'd be super sad how many bands were inspired just from that record identity in music is so important and i am so glad there are bands like you guys that are pushing the needle and trying something different. I think it's the best thing we have right now. I'm sick and tired of opening emails and finding five bands that are indistinguishable from each other. And it's no fault on them. Yeah. It's just some A&R guy along the way told them, this is what you should sound. This is what's marketable. They didn't understand that if they had done exactly what they wanted to do and told that person to go pound sand, they'd be making music that identifies and has that soul that I feel is missing so much from music right now. Exactly. And you know what the funny story is? When we first recorded the album that we were going to release this year, it has a lot of songs that are not going to be released. Because you know why? When the COVID hits, we had a moment to re-listen to everything. Mm -hmm. We were like, something is wrong. The songs are good. Maybe we didn't found little thing that makes us stand out musically. Yeah. A few weeks before actually releasing the album, we decided to almost redo it from the beginning. <laughs> and we added like 
six or seven songs. So it's actually quite a new album now because we needed that moment to realize that we needed to be ourselves. Sometimes you're so afraid of everything that you want to sound and look like others. And don't get me wrong, when you don't know, that's what you want to do. We toured with lots of bands. So when you see those bands being successful at what they do, you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that and it's going to work. But it doesn't until you found that specialness that makes you stand out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm glad that you guys had the opportunity to release a body of work that you guys can feel completely proud of because that's the most important thing. The moment you start mailing it in, it just doesn't feel authentic anymore. Yeah. So to help kind of, you know, start to wrap things up, actually, you know what? There is one question that I didn't ask you that I ask every band or artist that I ever had, and it would okay. just feel like kind of a naked podcast if I didn't have it. So far in your journey together, what has been one of the most hilarious memories you've had so far? One of the funniest thing that ever happened to us is, I think four, four or five years ago, we had a show in Poland, not going to name which city, but we had a show in Poland. We had to, I think, drive maybe 11 or 12 hours to get there. So when we get to the show, we were a little late and we were actually opening to another band that night. Okay. And uh, I don't know what happened that night, but we just decided to be complete rock stars and don't give a shit about anything. So we were late. We started to talk with the headliner's girlfriend, drinking the alcohol. <laughs> and I think we're, our stage time was like 25 minutes. We decided to stay 35. It was all crazy. And the next day we received like an email oh, from no. there, from the agent or whoever saying that we were never going to play another show uh, Europe in, 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 in Europe. And next thing you know, I think six, seven days later, we were opening for Gojira. Later that year, we, we opened Five Finger Death Punch and Nickelback. Basically, that person did not know what the fuck they were talking about then. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, but, but that's super funny now because I, I still see us being in the van the tour van, looking at the email like it was a, a death sentence. Some of the band members were really, really freaking out. Like, you we're know, done. We were not, but, but the other ones were. No, because the thing is, like, I didn't want to harm anybody. I just wanted to, you know, that was, that was a fun time, something, you know, that I wanted to just enjoy the moment. And, and, and the day we received the email, I still had the taste of his Jack Daniels in my mouth. <laughs> so the thing is like I felt even more guilty by you know and that was you know the catering was in a stored in a small place there was no names anywhere and I was not used to separating things and these belongs to these artists and yeah. this one's not it was you know, every, a pretty small every, band yeah everything was you know everything was displayed on a table so I was like I mean there's no, there's no point. Otherwise, it's not going to be here. So I've been, you know, the stress 
went, you know, in the Jack Daniels honey and the rest is history, you know, like (laughs) it was not hilarious at this point, at this moment, but looking back right now, that's, that makes sense. And we just moved on and yeah. And just makes us realize it's not because someone is telling you something that is true. Yeah. Because as a band, as a business or as whatever, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to learn. And some people are going to blame you and make you think that it's, it's the end, uh, but it's not until you decide it's, it is right. 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 Well said. Well said. Well, I just want to say hands down of all the podcast episodes I've recorded has to be my absolute favorite. You guys were unbelievable. So I just want to close off. Oh, absolutely. You're so welcome. Given that you're about to release your album later this year and that you fought so hard to get to this point, what do you guys want to see for the future? I think at this point, we definitely want to tour all around the world to defend that album because we miss touring and um, we're going to make a special announcement in in this podcast. We're going to play our first U.S. show at the Roxy in Los Angeles on February 16th of 2024. That's going to be our, our, our first headline show there. And we're so excited to play in the United States. So excited. That is such an iconic venue to start your career off in the States. So many big bands have found their start there. Like, what an amazing opportunity. Definitely proud of you guys. You're definitely invited. You're in all the crew of Outwire, of course. We're going to hang out there. We're so excited to finally play the United States. That's a dream come true for us. On behalf of Outwire, I want to thank you guys for joining today. Looking forward to putting this online and letting people see just what extraordinary gentlemen you are. Can't wait till the world gets to hear this. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. We had a lot of fun. And, and, and I can tell you, it's going to be tough for us to have more fun in a, a, another interview of our podcast, for sure. Yeah, you know, just one word, you know, uh, I kind of been waiting for a very long time to be able to have this uh, mask off because all the time you just want to please people. You just sometimes you just want to, you know, you don't want to say too much. You don't want to say not enough. And there's some topics you, you don't obviously can be allowed to talk about or, or, or whatever without any filters and the way you 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 ask your questions it's a it's a pleasure for us to to be to share that with you right now thank you so much for that absolutely it's been a complete honor allowing you guys to do that i appreciate you so much for bringing your authentic selves taking that mask off not trying to be the the pr rehearsed version of yourselves and literally just showing me who you really are because that is what made this podcast episode so special. So I want to let you guys finally get a chance to go to bed. I think it's about two o'clock in the morning almost where you guys are. Yeah. But hey, thank you so much for joining me today. And I cannot wait to see you guys touring the United States. Thank you so much. Cheers. 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 Hey, thank you so much. And that brings us to the end of this episode. I want to thank you for listening to the Altwire podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to give us a review on your DSP of choice and stay tuned for more episodes as they become available. My name is Derek Oswald, and I thank you for listening to the Altwire podcast.